Scarantino, and this is the Get the Fuck Off podcast. Every week, I'm going to be talking about a new topic to help you guys get the fuck off the shit that doesn't serve you anymore. But first, let me tell you a little bit about me. I used to work as a bartender, and I lived in the New York City bar scene. I smoked between a pack or two a day, and I was what you'd call quite overweight. I learned that the secret to adopting a healthy lifestyle is a series of mindset shifts. Unfortunately, they don't always come with an owner's manual, so I decided to start this podcast to give you guys the nuts and bolts without you having to do all the research on your own. Getting healthy does not mean you have to sacrifice your outstanding personality, and it actually can be quite a fun journey. I'm really excited to have you guys on that journey with me. Let's get off together. Everybody, welcome back to the Get the Fuck Off podcast on this Monday, March 7th. A little bit late in the day today because yesterday, Sunday, March 6th, my lazy ass decided that I was going to not do a hell of a lot. So I decided yesterday that I was going to eat and sit still and not record an episode of the Get the Fuck Off podcast. So we're a little bit late, but we're here. Right in time to bring you an episode about alcohol. You know, I I started this podcast with this whole idea that it was going to be about quitting smoking and quitting drinking and losing a bunch of weight. And I find myself not talking about any of that at all on the podcast, which is actually deliberate. Because when you enter recovery, what you learn, and I don't mean recovery necessarily from a substance, uh, what you learn is that it has very little to do with the thing that is the behavior on the surface of you. The behaviors are just exactly that. They're behaviors. They are the surface level, most superficial shit that could be. Nobody just drinks a whole bunch because of a soul addiction to a substance. There's always like something else. People used to ask me, oh, doesn't it bother you to work in a bar with all this alcohol around? And I'm like, yes. Yes, it really bothers me. This bottle of Jim Beam is so appealing to me right now. I can barely fucking contain myself. It's like, bitch, no. It doesn't bother me at all to stand next to this gross-ass poison. The only thing that bothers me is when some jackass comes in and insults my worth and value. Then I want to turn around and drink the Jim Beam. Just kidding. I would never drink Jim Beam. I have a friend who used to drink Jim Beam and... I've just had one too many sips of Jim Beam in my life, but that's a whole other story. No, the poison itself is never just the thing. It's just the thing that lies on the surface of you. It is not you. The addiction is not you. And once the physical addiction is over, everything that is a trigger has everything to do with everything outside of that particular habit and behavior. I don't spend a ton of time talking about sobriety on the Get the Fuck Off podcast. I really should. I I think I fall victim to the trap of I'm learning so much in my life and I'm talking about so much with my clients that I just want to dive into everything. And I forget that a lot of people show up here specifically to hear about those things that I started this podcast for. So I want to get into it. I want to talk about the drinking identity. I think that that's something that I've definitely talked about before, but it has come up. Uh, with one of my new clients who is brilliant. She's beautiful. She's brilliant. She's awesome. And she said the most astute 
thing to me this past week, which reminded me of a whole story, and I want to get into it. She said to me about drinking that it's just all ego that ends up coming out. And I was like, oh, that is so profound. Yes. Oh, it was so, so profound of an observation. And it reminded me of an email that I sent to my list. If you guys are not getting my emails, by the way, you can subscribe at breakfree.getthefuckoff.com. That's breakfree.getthefuckoff.com. Uh, pull up your Safari or whatever whatever Google people use, what, Chrome. Pull that up. You can subscribe there while you're listening to me talk. Um, but I wrote it to, an email to my list about conversation and about how when we're drinking – it's not really a conversation. I gave an example of when I was tending bar. Now, this is a couple of years ago. And a woman came in and she had just in a huff left her girlfriend's bachelorette party. Like there were this whole bunch of ladies and I forget the exact details, but you know how it is when people get trashed and you're in a big group of friends and there's all kinds of conflicting personalities. And this woman left this bachelorette party. I remember very vividly it was the Moxie Hotel and she stumbled into my bar and she ordered a drink and I didn't realize how trashed she was. So I served her the drink, which she ended up taking about three whole sips out of because she really just wanted to eat. And she just started going on and on about how she was disrespected by these people and just slurring and, and making a, a big to-do. And by the time she left my bar, she was happy. She was content. She was ready to go back and join her friends. She felt validated. She felt excited. She felt all of these things. And my coworker turned to me and said, God, Andy, that's incredible. Like, how do you do that? And I said, oh, that wasn't a conversation. I said, I, I was just repeating back to her what she was saying to me. She, she would say things like, oh, they should have respected me for And then like, you know, 10 sentences later, I'd be like, yeah, they, they really should have respected you for whatever it was. And I, I would just repeat back whatever she said, because at that moment in somebody's drinking, it's not a conversation. It's the ego wanting to be soothed. And if you could think back to all of your drunk conversations with your friends, I guarantee you that every single one of them was you talking about something, getting it the fuck off your chest. I mean, can you tell me anything that one of your great friends, when you had a heart-to-heart -heart one year or one day or one whatever, can you tell me the intimate specifics of the things that they talked about? You might be able to, but chances are it was a lot of you Getting it off your chest, cleaning house, bringing it up, you having a monologue, them having a monologue, and every now and again, the monologues would kind of make peace with each other, and then there would be a, I just love you, and it's like, what is all of that? That's just the ego masturbating, jacking itself off, and you're all there, and you're all just sound completely messy, and as a sober person, you walk into a bar, and I go out to bars with people, not to the rager level I used to but what happens when you're a sober person and you're at a bar about hour number three you realize that you're trying to speak to someone and they are not absorbing your words at all they just want to tell you everything that's going on in their life and everything that's wrong or everything that's right or yeah we're waiting for their turn to talk and it's irritating and that is their ego as well and I don't mean ego in the sense of this person is an egomaniac or egomaniacal. I'm talking about your what you call your identity, your, your whole 
illusion of identity, the I that you associate yourself with, the I of I'm Andy, I'm a runner, I'm a podcast host, I'm a, these are all facets of my ego. These are not who I am. I'm Andy. And beyond the name, beyond the body, I am a consciousness. I am a human. And I exist here on earth as my ego. And I believe in the ego. So I am a spiritual person, as a lot of people know, but I also really love the ego. So perfection of the ego and advancement of the ego and living in the world as a fine ego is something that I do not shit on. Like if you want to have a great life and have a great ego, I support you because you're here on earth with your ego. So it's going to be a part of you. So all of these things about us, the ego... That, that is really the programming of the ego is what really shows up when we are hammered. It isn't us, curious us, inquisitive us, loving us. I mean, some people are loving drunks because they're loving in essence and some people are angry drunks. And what is that? It's just a magnification of the ego. If you're a sad person, you might get more sad when you're drunk. If you're an angry person, more angry. If you're a loving person, I mean, I used to get very horny, like Please throw me against the sink and let's fuck it. I mean, this is, this is the ego. Who are you? The ego is what shows up and the ego is what's playing out. And we always think, one of the biggest things that we think when we're going to stop drinking is we think that we will be less us. We'll be less fun. We'll be less us. Nobody is going to like us. But we're not even present most of the time when we're in that stage of inebriation. We're not even there. Like, you're not there. I was never there. I wasn't there. There was somebody else there. And I, I remember this very vividly. I, I do, my ex-boyfriend, I'm not speaking ill of my ex-boyfriend. I was a, a complete disaster when I was drinking. And my ex-boyfriend and I fought a lot because of who I was. And I, I can't take responsibility for anyone's actions other than mine. So one night I was with my ex-boyfriend, we were on a train and we were hammered. I was hammered to the point where I didn't know my own name. But at that moment, we got into a conversation and some people that he knew got brought up and it was a trigger for me because it was, it was, it was people that were extremely wealthy and I at the time had very deep-seated limiting beliefs around money. Well, at that point, I'm not Andy I'm, and I'm not higher self Andy. I am completely ego. So all of my old programming of all of my limiting beliefs, all of my strong opinions, all of my anger towards every person that wasn't him, that wasn't those people, that wasn't anyone. I mean, it's, it's all old programming of the past started coming up in venom. So I was a venomous sack of garbage too, my ex-boyfriend. And I, I at the time felt very justified and so he decided he didn't want to be around me anymore and just kind of made his exit. And rightfully, I mean rightfully, why, why would he want to be around me when I'm like that? That was obnoxious. And it, it, was, it was completely old programming. All the programming that kept me stuck in my life, kept me angry, kept me limited, kept me held back, that was the sort of shit that would come up when I was trashed. Unbeknownst to me, because I wasn't even myself, I was just repeating. Like the brain is repeating the old programs. And 
the the higher you is somewhere on vacation. I mean, it's not even there. It can't get past the repetitiveness. You ever hear about like diarrhea of the mouth, somebody going, <laughs> well, they're doing that because it's their old programs just going at you and the higher you just can't, can't break through. And I remember going to bed that night. I don't remember going to bed that night, but I remember waking up. And I remember waking up in this beautiful, loving space of myself. And about three minutes, maybe even not even three minutes, maybe like 90 seconds went by. And I opened my eyes and my brain had an opportunity to remember what happened. And then I was like, oh, fuck, I fucked up so bad. I fucked up so bad. So, so bad. So bad. So bad. Oh, God, I fucked up so bad. I fucked up. I fucked up so bad. Oh, my God, I fucked up so bad. How many times you guys wake up after something like that and you just, you realize you've just fucked up? You, you just, everything that has been brewing within you has just come up in such a venomous, horrible way and you've just fucked up to almost an irreparable sort of way. Or you don't remember that you fucked up because your brain stopped making memories at some point. This has happened to me a whole bunch of times when I was drinking. I mean, I, I don't even want or, or have the desire to be reminded of those times. But there comes to be a time, especially under the influence of that sort of poison, where your brain stops making memories in the time that they're happening. So that's what blackout is. It's when you wake up the next day. And you don't have memories and you're trying to fill in the gaps, but you can't because no memories were actually made at that time. So your brain's trying to fill it in with corresponding data and then you've got tremendous anxiety because what the fuck happened? There's this song by Sublime. I, I think copyright infringement won't let me put a clip of it here, but it's called What Happened? So if y'all stream music... Um, you should pull that up and listen to it after this podcast. It's like, who is this girl in my bed? What is the shit on my face? My God, what is that awful smell? Like, it, it's it's about being in a rager blackout. I spent so much time there. So we're always romanticizing this identity of who are we going to be. And that's like who we are is who we're going to be, except more of it. All the, the person that you are the majority of the time that you're hammered isn't you. Actually, you probably have no idea who that is. It's, it's just a, a magnification of the ego. And the ego is not your most beautiful, curious self filled with wonder and light and joy and love. Your, your ego is not filled with any of that. I mean, it's, it's, it can. It can develop qualities but it's still just programs that are running with you taking a backseat of absence. And we talk about the loss of inhibitions. All right. Like the loss of inhibitions. Well, okay. Well, what, what, what really is that? And what's the loss of inhibitions? Yes, alcohol does that to you and you lose your inhibitions. But do you think that you need to lose your inhibitions to be more fun? Do you think that... Any of the sex that you have when you're hammered is good. It's absolutely not good. Nor is it lubricated. That is the most dry, painful, thirsty, 
clunky shit that ever could exist. Like it's not. But I used to tell stories about this all the time. I used to tell stories about how I would not be Andy if I did not do this, if I didn't drink. I used to tell stories that, because I don't, I don't know how much you guys know about me, but judging by my, the name of my podcast and by my website, you probably can tell that Get the Fuck Off is a very masculine type of brand. I'm a very masculine woman. I default to the masculine because it's safe and that's a program that I developed when I was young. And I, through my work, have been, over time, over the years, embracing the feminine. I'm, I'm always in feminine energy when I'm coaching, almost always, unless someone needs a kick in the ass, which is sometimes. Um, but most of the time it's feminine energy. My life has lived in masculine energy and I, for a long time, felt that I couldn't get rid of drinking because I was a tough guy and I hung out with men. I hung out with motherfucking grown men at the bar drinking whiskey till 3 a.m. And who would I be if I didn't do that? And I had convinced myself and it's the addiction. So it's the addiction. You're trying to pull away from the addiction. So you're trying to pull yourself out of this addiction. And because your body wants to hang on to that addiction because you're addicted your brain sends you signals like hey you better watch you're not gonna be you're not gonna be you if you don't do that everyone's gonna hate you they're all gonna laugh at you no one's gonna like you everything's gonna go to hell oh boy everything's gonna go everything's gonna go south immediately and that's and that's the signals that your brain is sending and so I, I was about that I was like oh fuck fuck I'm gonna be who am I gonna be who am I gonna be and another thing that I thought I was going to have to be, which I actively rally against, and I think I do it in a delightful way, is that I thought that sobriety and recovery was going to have to encompass my entire identity. So I was going to have to become somebody else. Well, I'm going to have to become somebody that, I'm going to have to become the person that doesn't drink. That's going to be my whole identity now. And I was like, that's that's not necessarily the case. There are great people that I admire so damn much. It is my my goal to have them on this podcast. Annie Grace, Holly Whitaker. These are people that are so fucking amazing speaking about recovery. They are lights for all of us. We need those people. You can become one of those people if you want. You can advocate for recovery. You can help people. You, it's, it's, it's the good fight to help people. I mean, I think that we all, we all yearn to help others when we overcome a barrier or an obstacle of our, of our own. But it's not compulsory. So if you want to just stop drinking and never talk about that, that's fine. If you want to stop drinking, it's nobody's damn business. So you don't have to make your identity shift from the person who drinks to the person in recovery. It, it doesn't have to be a part of the narrative at all because you were a person before you entered recovery. Just like those people. By the way, those, those leaders in, this, in, in, in the world of recovery, they were also and are still also people with lots of things in their lives. I don't know them personally. Besides recovery, 
they're speaking loudly about recovery, but they are comprehensive beings that have other things happening besides being in recovery. So you do not have to assume being in recovery as your entire identity. You don't have to dedicate your whole Instagram to it. You don't have to tell every person that you meet. You don't have to make it a conversation piece at dinner. You don't have to tell everybody at brunch. You don't have to declare it on social media. You don't have to write it on your Twitter. You don't need to write a book about it. You don't ever need to mention it if you don't want to. In fact, for some of you, it might be a very big deal right now, but someday it might just not be that big of a deal, and that's okay. I saw this reel, or maybe it was a TikTok, trying to get myself to be more active on TikTok, because TikTok is really creative. It really is. It's creative, and I, I'm kind of one of those people that... I'm one of those people that just like feed me the information please I really don't need to be entertained but I'm finding that that's not the case for everybody and TikTok is just so damn entertaining but I was I was watching something on it, it had to be TikTok <laughs> and somebody was like it's just not that big of a deal it's just not that big of a deal and I think for baby boomers and Gen X and millennials I'm a millennial I'm an older millennial um, but older millennials younger millennials we are so indoctrinated into this idea that our culture, like like so many people that are big in the recovery community say the same thing. It's the only damn drug that you have to justify not taking. So we've all been reared in that. But I see in Gen Z, honestly, I see things coming up with, hey, this is just not that big of a deal. Because the I see a movement as our society moving towards something more holistic, just holy. And this is kind of what I'm doing a lot with the Western Rebellion in that I see people not killing themselves over their jobs anymore. I see people not dragging themselves through the mud anymore, not burning out anymore, saying no, saying no to working more f- without more pay. Like, no, I, I, I'm not going to work more unless you pay me more. Saying, you know what? These salaries are just too low. I'm going to go work for myself. Saying, yeah, no, I'm, I'm really not interested. And, and the work, so many powerful women that I follow on social media are doing work now with boundary setting and how women just were not taught socially in, the, in our society to set boundaries in as powerful of a way as men were. I think a lot, this is a little bit of a tangent, but I think a lot about having to look at people's photos from weddings and vacations people how many how much time in my life has been wasted with people trying to show me I remember when we used to have actual pictures like that you got developed at the the place that you went because I'm that old I remember people would bring the package of photos from a wedding or from a vacation and I think oh fuck I'm gonna have to sit through this (laughs) and like women were expected both in a personal and professional setting, to look at that shit. Men would be like, yeah, I really don't want to see that. Like, no one would ask a man. But as a woman, you were considered a bitch if you didn't say, no, I don't really want to do that. And so women have this, in our society, we just are expected to not set as strong boundaries as men are. We're expected to have more empathy. We're expected to give more of a rat crap about somebody else's shit than men are. And so there's a lot of boundary learning that takes place with women and even in terms of intuitive eating I read a coach that I follow coach Michelle Moore posted something on her Instagram 
just yesterday, yesterday, and it was all about how women just default don't, uh, sorry, um, don't always know what they want for dinner. And in terms of intuitive eating, like this is very simple for me. Like I, I am probably the most intuitive eater on the planet. I think of what I want to eat and then I go eat it. I've also lived alone for 13 years. A lot of women put everybody else's needs before their own and have been taught to do so. So when they're asked that question, it's like, I don't really know the answer to that. So boundaries are a thing. In our society, we're starting to, to move away from that. We're starting to be stronger about upholding our boundaries. I just saw a TikTok the other day about someone saying, women shouldn't have to do anything on the first and second day of their period. I forget her handle. But she, it was, um, she said, <laughs> I shouldn't have to go about my day while my uterus is clawing its way out of my body. I thought that yesterday as my, my own uterus is clawing its way out of, out of my body. It feels like that. And why... Am I expected to just go through that hell and a man doesn't have to go through that hell? So we're starting to understand that we have different needs as a society. And I think Gen Z is far more embracing of their own needs, of their own consciousness, of their own awakening. They are in that stage where they want to move in that direction. And I'm sorry, but being asleep... Really? Like even for, even for me, for my generation, being asleep isn't doing anything for us. It just isn't. Like you're asleep. Being asleep isn't doing anything. I, I talk to people, great, the greatest, most innovative people right now are not people that are asleep. They're people that are, have their eyes wide open. Life is less stressful when your eyes are wide open. You can get more done in a day when your eyes are wide open. You don't think that you can, but there are hours and hours and hours, hours that I didn't even acknowledge were a reality. Like I didn't even acknowledge that that was a thing when I was drinking. I was like, oh, I have plenty of time. Yeah, sure. I have plenty of time. I have plenty of time, just like I had an extra 10 grand that I've saved on cigarettes in the last four years. It's amazing when, it's amazing how we justify where shit goes when we're trying to keep a habit that doesn't serve us because we're so afraid of who we're going to turn into if we just get rid of that habit. All that is present when you're drunk is ego. It's just, it's all that's present. That's all that's there. That's all that's there. I swear. That's it. It's not you, higher you, curious you, you that was seven years old at one point that wanted things. That person is going to come back out so fierce, you're not even going to know. You're going to be like, wow, holy shit. And you're going to feel, I, I, I spoke about this with Allison Sutter on one of my most recent podcasts about how when I quit drinking, after about three or four weeks, after the, you're going to feel like hammered fuck shit. I always say this, hammered fuck shit. You're going to feel that way for like three or four weeks. And then when that period is over, it's just like, wow, I'm awake. I am awake. I'm awake. Oh my God, I'm awake. <laughs> it's something else. And the, and the things that you can see uh, and the way that you can manipulate your your life and your energy is just is just incredible. So there is there is none of you that you're going to be losing. It's it's all it's all a defense of a part of you that probably isn't even that pretty. It's the you that is conscious to the level that you can be conscious because alcohol does cause damage in your brain. It reduces your gray matter, which will 
it, it will heal. That will heal. We are miraculous healing machines. So that will all heal. So at the level that you can be conscious, if you're drinking right now, at the level that you can be conscious, the conscious you is defending the ego that it, it doesn't even get to see. Like if the conscious you could actually observe the ego that it's defending, that is exercising in that behavior, you probably would not want to do it. The conscious you is just scared because it hasn't really seen itself in a long time. So it's worried. It's worried and it doesn't know what to do because it's it's been pushed away. And with it comes emotions and, and that's normal. We've been taught as a society not to feel emotions, but those are important. Now that's not necessarily the topic of this podcast. I do work with my clients on that. Feeling emotions is another thing that's a big one for women. I was taught not to feel my emotions. I was always told feeling my emotions was okay. But then I was demonstrated that feeling my emotions most certainly was not okay. And that was demonstrated very clearly to me. And I think that's demonstrated very clearly to a lot of women. So I've had to do a lot of work in that. So this is some of the deeper work. Um... And if you have any questions about any of that, you can reach out to me, Andy, A-N-D-E-E, at getthefuckoff.com. You can visit me at getthefuckoff.com. My Instagram handle is now just my name, Andy Scarantino, A-N-D-E-E-S-C-A-R-A-N-T-I-N-O. You can find me there or at microstepsforward, which is my other Instagram. That was, I made that one just as a words-based Instagram and I, and I use it. I, I use it, um in addition to Andy Scarantino. So you can reach out to me in all those ways if there's something that you want to talk about or you're having trouble with alcohol. Alcohol is purported by our society as this grand enhancer. And it's, it is not a grand enhancer. <laughs> it's a load of fucking bullshit. And um, there's just so much I can say on it. But I think that that's, I'm going to wrap it up for now, for this week. Um, yeah, thank you guys for coming back on this Monday. I'm excited to see you next week. I have Amy Crumpton from Social Cactus Coaching as a guest next week. She's high vibe. She's amazing. So you guys are going to want to tune in for that. And, uh, yeah, in the meantime, if you want to start getting my emails, breakfree.getthefuckoff.com or visit me at getthefuckoff.com for all old episodes of this podcast. Till next week, guys. Take care. Stay beautiful. Stay beautiful.